But there's people's homes that are in danger. There's people's homes that are burning. There are people from our city. There are people from our county. There are people from all over our country who are firefighters who are running to the blazes to try to put them out. And there are families who are impacted as they send their loved ones to run into the jaws of danger. So let's just take a moment right now and pray for those who are affected. Father God, you remind us that we are not promised easy, carefree lives. In this world, we will have trouble. But we're grateful that because of what you did on the cross, Jesus, even fires don't get the last word, that you have overcome the world. And right now we ask, Father, that you would have your hands upon those who are in the path of these blazes, that you would have your hands upon those who are standing in the gap to try to put them out and to bring them under control. I pray for those people, those children, those those elderly who are inhaling the toxins of burning paint all day long. And they're just grateful that the fires haven't reached their homes. We are grateful, Father, for those who are willing to come alongside. And I pray that you would use, just as you used the tragedy of the World Trade Center towers falling, to bring people back to you. Would you use this to advance your kingdom purposes? Glorify yourself even in the brokenness of this world. And Jesus, we look forward to you coming back. So we thank you for this morning. I thank you for our family that we get to come back to. We, we just didn't want to be away any longer. Pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, um, just one fun thing that I heard. So for those of you who, who have yet to go down to Mexico, a wonderful trip down there. In fact, Don said it was by far the best one so far. They got to go. They had like 200 people from the community in Tijuana that, that came and, and, and were ministered to. They went to the Men's Rehabilitation Center. And in a lighthouse first, we had, we had our first proposal on a missions trip. So can I have Paul and Fallon stand up for just a moment? Because I, I, I can't. This is Paul. This is Fallon. And yesterday, as Paul was giving his testimony at the men's rehab center, he proposed to his fiance. I figured it's a locked facility, so there's no way she could go anywhere. <laughs> but congratulations. We're really excited for you. And, and um, we were going to wait till next week, but we know you're not going to be able to be here next week. So we just wanted to celebrate that. And then today... Um, I get to have the pleasure of, of being taught by a, a very, very close friend of mine. And in fact, I met Ian seven years ago when I first came to church, the fir- first came to Lighthouse. The very first day on the job, I walked into the, the church offices, and there was a group of people sitting around our conference table praying. My sister Christine Nolf was there, but, but this guy Ian was also sitting there at the table with about maybe 10 other people from throughout Costa Mesa. And I went to my office, and I was about to eat my lunch. I'm like, what am I doing here? I, I'd much rather be sitting in a room full of people that, you know, are, are praying and, and people that I know. So I went into the room and sat down. And it turns out this was a group of people that had been praying for our city for, at that point, like at least 15, 15 years. years. Praying on a regular basis for our city. And so I just, we, I joined in with them. There was, I just, they were just using the facility to kind of ha- have their gathering. But they were people from all over Costa Mesa. And I go, this is awesome because this is the picture of what the church should be. There's only one church. We're not in competition with one another. And I got excited, so I, I continued to join in with them. And out of that grew a ministry that we originally called OC for OC, One Church for Our City, which has now come to be known as Trellis. And Trellis exists. And I know that Ian's going to share more about it, but Trellis exists 
to support the growth of the church in Costa Mesa, support what God is doing in our community. And Ian really has become a pastor, not just to a church, but to the church in Costa Mesa. He's become a partner in ministry. He and, and a lot of um, John Began and many others that are a part of our church and are, are part of the church here that are ministering regularly in our city. They use our facility for um, mentor trainings and things like that. And I'm so grateful uh, for what he's doing in Costa Mesa because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the amount of ministry that's happening that doesn't have any one church's name on it but has Jesus' name on it has grown out of this. This one night of worship, this one voice worship night on Thursday night is something that has very uh, palpably grown out of the fact that the church is no longer competing for one another over sheep. That we are all working to glorify God and honor his name and advance his kingdom purposes. So would you join me in welcoming my friend Ian Stevenson. Thanks, brother. Wow, what a privilege to get to share with you guys here today. And I got to tell you, I love Eric. Uh, he, he and I are becoming very close, and God's knit our hearts together around this idea of there being one church for our city, that we don't have to be competing with one another, that we can actually work together to make a bigger difference in our city than we ever thought we ever could alone. And um, I am honored to get to share with you today about this topic of walking with God. So I'm sure as all of you sit there today, you are thinking in certain terms about how you maybe are walking with God already. And, and I hope that what happens as a result of our time together today is that you're stimulated a little bit, one way or the other, in your walk with God. Because none of us walk with God perfectly. Would you agree with that? Amen. We all have room to grow. We all have areas where we can walk with a little more intention. We can walk a little more closely. We can learn more about how to walk. And so that's my prayer for our time together today, is that you walk out these doors with a little bit more fervor, a little bit more direction on steps you can take to walk a little bit closer with God. So are we all in for that? Everyone want, want to do that today? Yeah. Okay, let's just agree before we walk out those doors. That's what we're going to try to do. All right, let me pray for us and ask God to help us in that. God, thank you for this opportunity to share with these precious people about um, walking with you. And God, I pray that I would get out of the way that you would speak through me in some form or another to each person sitting in each seat in this room that, God, as they do walk out those doors today, there would be an intent to follow you, to walk with you closer than maybe they did before they walked in. God, thank you for your love for us that we sang about a little while ago. Thank you that you uh, pursue us, but, yeah, at the same time, you want us to pursue you and to walk with you. So, God, show us all something here today, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yeah, I also want to just really thank you as a church for what you do for our community. 
Um, you know, Eric mentioned the prayer group up there. That, that's just one example of how you all share your facilities with our community, with the city, with different agencies, with different groups in order to help make a difference in our city. And you're doing it so open-handedly. Your preschool, your preschool impacts families throughout this community. I hear the stories all the time. Many of you volunteer in different ways throughout our community. Thank you. Thank you for how you're giving back, how you're showing and sharing God's kind of love into our community. And uh, that is a great sign of a church that is wanting to walk with God. Now, as we get into the topic today, I, I want to just step back a little bit and share with you some about my walk with God. And I'm not going to go all the way back, but I'm going to go back to 1982. 1982, I was uh, playing Division I soccer at Jacksonville University in Florida. And at that point in time, soccer was my God. You know what I mean by God? Your God is where you get your meaning, your purpose, your significance, your identity in life from. It's what you get up in the morning to be about. That's your God. And soccer was my God. <laughs> I was determined in high school to get a, a scholarship to a D1 school. And dadgummit, I did it. And now I was in it. And I was pursuing it. And I was going after it. And it was everything to me. And right before our conference tournament, 1982, my appendix burst. So as the team is getting on a bus going off to the tournament... I find myself in the hospital. A few days later, I find myself in church. Now, if you had asked people, in my, if you had asked me at that time, are you walking with God? I probably would have said, yeah, I'm walking with God. You know, I read the Bible, I pray, I go to church. If you'd asked people around me, does Ian walk with God? They probably would have said, yeah, he, he is. But I found myself in church that weekend, and there was a missionary, a guy that was working with headhunters in a place called Irian Jaya. And he was working with headhunters, and, and he was sharing in his story about how he struggled as a missionary on the mission field, working with headhunters, how he struggled to walk with God. How there were days when he got up, and he didn't care as much about the people. And he didn't care as much about... He cared about other things out there on the mission field. His pineapple patch that he didn't want the natives to mess with. <laughs> and, and he shared these stories about how he struggled with walking with God out there. And, and I sat there listening and I realized very clearly that I, I wasn't walking with God as closely as I thought I was. And matter of fact, I scratched my head and I said, you know, I'm thankful that Jesus was my Savior. You know, and my walk with God was kind of like, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Jesus. It's really cool, but I got my thing. I'm doing my thing. I'm over here doing this. And, and it made me realize that I wasn't really getting up in the morning, putting on my pants and going out the door saying, I'm going to walk with Jesus today. 
It was more like I got up in the morning, I put on my clothes, I went out the door, and I said, I got my thing to do. Hey, Jesus, will you come along with me? I was trying to get him to walk with me. And so I I know you're about four weeks into this series now, and you've heard several other communicators talking about walking with God. But I want to just start off in, in your outline there with this very first point. Walking with God means it it starts with choosing to walk with God. You have to choose. You know, my wife and I, uh, a few years ago, we walked up Mount Whitney. Anyone here ever done Mount Whitney? We got a few people, so you know that. We did it in one day. We decided on that day, we're going to walk up Mount Whitney and down. And uh, I decided that I was going to walk with my wife. Now, when I walk with my wife, I tend to walk a little faster than her. Um, And so if I was going to walk with her, I had to choose to walk with her. The other thing was my wife did all the research on this trip. She's really good at that. And so she, there's several ways you can go up to the top. She found the way. And I was going to walk with her. So I had to choose to stay with her, to walk with her up and down that day. Now, on the way down, you know, this is like, we left at like 5 in the morning and got back at like 8 at night. Like, it's, it's an all-day deal. And um, she was in pain. Her knees were killing her coming down. And, she was, and, and I, like, I could have been done hours ago. But like, I, I had to walk with her. I had to be in it with her. I had to listen to her directions. I had to make that choice to walk with her. So it it was quite a learning experience. And, you know, the same is true in walking with God, folks. It's making that choice. Now, I don't know where all of you are this morning. I'm assuming in a church like this that many of you have made that big choice to walk with God. You've come to terms with what we were singing about a little while ago. God's incredible love for you demonstrated through Jesus Christ. You've come to terms that he loves you that much. That he, he sent his son to die on the cross for anything you've done that's screwed up. Anything you've done that's wrong. He loved you that much. And that it's not by how good you are. It's simply by accepting God's love for you, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy into your life that now you can have a relationship with God. And he actually wants to walk with you through life. Are we having some mic issues? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably my beard, huh? (laughs) Okay, so. Be good? All right. Okay, so now I got to do the uh, stand up comedy guy here. Where's your pack? Uh, right there. All right, let me see this. All right, go ahead. Okay, keep talking while he's playing with my booty over here. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, are you tracking? Thanks, Jessica. I appreciate that encouragement. So, this whole idea of walking with God starts with the choice. And some of you, hopefully all of you in this room, have made that choice on a larger level to walk with God. 
You've accepted his love. You've accepted his forgiveness. You've said, I want to walk with God. I would call that Mount Whitney. But there's another thing my wife and I have been dreaming of doing, and that's the Pacific Coast Trail. You know how long the Pacific Coast Trail takes? Five months. Yeah, 150 days, they say. So that means every single day you got to choose to get up and walk with whoever you're doing it with. Okay? And I think walking with God is much more like the Pacific Coast Trail than Mount Whitney. Okay? you got to make that choice every single day. So am I using use this one? Okay, okay. Um, and, and so I want to encourage you as we, as we get into this talk today, this is about walking with God, not once, not making that big decision, but walking with him every single day. And if you're going to walk with God, it starts with that choice. It starts with that decision. And if you have not made that decision today, I want to encourage you, if you've got questions about it, if you're not sure you even like God and want to walk with him, you know, maybe that's where some of you are at today. You've got questions about God. Like, how can he be so mean to nice people? Um, You know, you maybe have questions about, you know, was there really a flood? Is there, you know, like, you don't know about God yet. But, but you need to get clear. There's a, there's a great theologian named A.W. Tozer, and he said the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. It's the most important thing about you. So I, I don't know where you are with God today. If you really want to walk with him, if he's the one you'd want to do the Pacific Coast Trail with, I know he's who I want to do it with. But you got to get clear on that. And if you have questions about God, you know, you, many of you heard us sing in the song a little earlier about Jesus. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus, the Son, is the visible image of the invisible God. Sometimes God can be really hard to wrap our head around. And we have questions big time questions but if you want to understand God in a very tangible real sense look at Jesus just study Jesus you have questions about how Jesus treated people read about Jesus and how he treated people you have questions about Jesus view on religion look at how Jesus treated religious people you have questions about God, look at Jesus. Just study Jesus. Because in essence, when we're walking with God, it's like walking with Jesus. It's like choosing every day when we put on our clothes and we go out that door today, I'm going to walk with Jesus. Not I'm going to walk out the door and ask him to come along with me. That's different. Do you see the difference? And I think we tend to do come walk with me instead of I'm going to walk with you. 
And so that's, that's how I want to approach this today. And, and, and I want to just clearly say up front that making the choice, choosing, is simply, really, it's like dying. I, I want you to look at how Galatians 2.20 puts it in the scriptures. It says this, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, choosing to walk is like choosing to die. It's choosing to die to yourself. It's choosing to put your agenda aside and say, God, what do you want to do today? How do you want to work? Where are you at? And I want to walk with you. Now, he puts us in jobs, and he gives us circumstances and situations, and certainly we have a direction to go. But he wants to be leading us through that, not vice versa. And so choosing what he's saying, I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to walk with you. So if you're really walking with God, you're making that choice every day. You're dying to yourself. John 1224, it's not there on your outline. It says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If you want to have God at work in your life, it's about dying first. Not once. Not doing Whitney. But every day, it's making that choice to walk and to follow Jesus. So if you make that choice and you're walking with him, I hope you kind of have that picture in your mind. You're going out the door every day. I'm going to walk with him. I want to talk about some essentials for the journey. Some things that are really needed. And and it's really very practical because if you were going on a walk with anybody, it would be the same type of deal, right? So the first thing that you need is communication. When I decided to do Whitney with my wife, we needed to communicate, right? She had to tell me what trail we were taking. We had to dialogue back and forth. We had to know the path, what to look for. We had to communicate about keeping up with one another. We had to communicate about what we needed along the way in terms of fuel and water. And we, we, had, to, we had to communicate. And so when you're walking with God, you cannot walk with someone without communicating, really, at some level. The more you communicate, the better, right? So the two key parts, and, and most of you guys know this, is prayer and the Word, Right? That's the way we communicate with God. That's our vertical communication with God is prayer and the word. Prayer is not just about talking to God, it's listening to God. And one of the key ways we listen is through his word. As we read God's word, he gives us direction. He he directs us for the day. So to walk out of my house every day without some kind of direction and choosing to listen and hear from him How can I be walking with him if I'm not giving him time to talk to me? If I'm not sharing with him? Okay? You've got to have communication. So a couple verses there on your your outline. First one's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And, And we've all read this verse probably many times before, but maybe in a little different context. Look at what it says. It says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything... 
In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, in my story, what I've found is that when I walk out the door and I choose to follow Jesus, many times he's prompting me to do things that I'm a bit uncomfortable with. Like leaving my secure, very satisfying, rewarding role at the crossing to embark on this uniting churches together crazy idea called trellis. And that was very uncomfortable for me. It wasn't easy. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt God was tapping me on the shoulder and saying, are you going to trust me? He was communicating with me. And so, as he was tapping me on the shoulder, I could be anxious about it, or I could trust him with it. And here it says, be anxious about nothing, like in everything. But So when, when you're listening to God, I'm going to tell you right now, he is going to ask you to do some things you're uncomfortable with. He's going to ask you to reconcile with people you don't like anymore. He's going to ask you to do things in your marriage that you don't feel like doing. That you're, He's going to ask you to serve people. and re, He's going to ask you to do things, oh man... And you're going to get anxious about it. And you don't want to do it. But when you're communicating and you're listening to God and you're reading his word and he's prompting you, it's going to happen. I promise you. Because the Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. And faith, I don't know if you've known this or not, but faith brings anxiety along with it, right? Think about it. You're in an airplane with the parachute on, getting ready to jump out. Never done it before. So a little anxiety there, right? But you've got to have some faith in that parachute, and you've got to jump. That's what it's like walking with God. He, he asks us to jump. He asks us to jump into relationships. He asks us to jump into serving. He asks us to jump into things that require faith that will cause us to trust in Him and to take our anxiety and bring it to Him with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds as you walk with Him. Because when you walk with Him... It's that kind of walk. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Joshua 1.8, you guys have all heard this before too. This is about the word. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It's that same idea of dying, that seed dying, and then letting God work in it. It brings prosperous and success. It brings meaning and purpose to your life. When we let God speak to us and lead us through prayer and the word. So you've got to have communication. You're going to walk with God, right? Everyone in agreement on that? Okay, so let's tighten that up. Maybe that's your step today. Tightening up 
your communication with God. But there's another essential along the way, and that's to, to walk with God, we need others. There's just no doubt. Like, I, I have friends who've done the Pacific Coast Trail, and they have told me time and time again how important others are along the way. That it's always best if you've got some people that are close with you that you're walking it with. You almost need a team in order to do it. You need people mailing your stuff ahead. You need people at different stations. I mean, you've got to have others. You've got to have others. And, you know, we all know the great command. It's right there on your outline. It says, Jesus replied when he was asked what's the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I think all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments because as we're working in our communication with God, the way it manifests itself is with others. Right? A lot of times how you communicate with God is very closely related to how you're communicating with others. Are you good at listening to God? Then you're probably pretty good at listening to others. Are you patient with God? You're probably then patient with others. Are you, you know, it, it, there's, there's a crossover here. We need others. And we need to be very aware of the others in our lives, especially those closest to us, that God has put there right in front of us to help us in our walk with God. And sometimes those people feel like sandpaper. But if we let them, they'll make us better. They'll smooth off the rough edges. We've got to have others. We've got to know that these others that God has put around us are put there for a purpose and a reason. And it's to help us in our walk with Him. But so many times we don't look at them that way, do we? We look at them as a pain in the neck. We look at them as an inconvenience. As somebody getting in my way of going where I want to go. Oh, but that's right. It's not about where I want to go, right? It's where Jesus wants to go. So I better slow down. I better look around at those people. And I better understand that God's put them there to help me walk with him. We need others. The other thing that I believe is important to understand if we're going to walk with God, if we're going to walk with Jesus, let me just put it into Jesus' terminology here for a minute. If, if we were walking out the door and following Jesus every single day, we would see this next thing. We need to reach out to a, a lost and hurting world. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you cannot, you would not be able to do that with Jesus on any given day without experiencing this. Because Jesus was constantly in his walk, reaching out to those people to the point where he was criticized, to the point where he was put down by the religious people. If we're going to walk with God, we need to know how we are reaching to a, a hurting world. Not because Ian said it, not because the church thinks it's a good idea, but because that's what it means to walk with God. We've got to find the people who are hurting and we've got to let them know how much they matter to God. 
Yesterday, uh, I had the privilege of leading a project in our community. Um, I'm, I'm a chaplain at the YMCA up the street here on off of Irvine Avenue. And they've started a deal there called the CARES Team. And the CARES Team is trying to help put the C back in YMCA, which actually stands for Christian, if you didn't know it. Um, Young Men's Christian Association. It all started with a Bible study in London years ago. That's where the whole thing came from. And so they're trying to put the C back in YMCA. They've brought me and another guy on as chaplains, and they're trying to expand care in the Y and care in the community. So uh, they asked me to to get a project in the community. And so yesterday we we went to a, a lady who's terminally ill in our community in Costa Mesa. She's dying. Wendy, you were at her house in April. We did round two yesterday. And it was amazing. Well, just through showing and sharing God's love to this hurting woman who's terminally ill, took over her dad's house who was a hoarder, rat-infested mess. By groups, two groups of people showing up, by conversations in between, this gal has asked Jesus to come into her life. And it's, it's because she was hurting and, and people became aware of it and were willing to step in and do something. And uh, in my conversations leading up to next week, she said, she said, Ian, you know, I, I've been thinking about all this and the decision that I've made. And she said, should I get baptized? And so I explained baptism to her. And so she's going to get baptized in a couple weeks. And this is all because of people just loving on her. And the more we do that in our neighborhoods, the more we do that intentionally in our city, in ways that, that really shows and shares God's love in, in strategic ways, it, it, it will make a difference in our city. It'll change things. And, you know, if you look at these verses, it, it's just so evident to me. I just want to remind you of some of the things that, that we read in Scripture. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, or man and woman, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with our God means that we have compassion on others. That we seek justice in situations that are wrong. You cannot walk with God. I'm sorry. Don't fool yourself. If you think you're walking... But you're, you're not really tied into ways that you're making a difference in the lives of hurting people. And it doesn't have to be a program. There might be ways God's called you to do that at your work. There might be ways he's called you to do that in your family. There might be ways God's calling you to do that at different levels. And you've heard as you're communicating with them the taps on your shoulder, but it's been a little bit uncomfortable for you, so you haven't done it. I'm telling you, to walk with God, lean into that discomfort. Trust Him. Ask Him to use you in great ways, and He will. This is what it's like to walk with God. Look at Luke 9, 23. He said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Daily. Remember? It's the Pacific Coast Trail. It's not Whitney. 
daily and follow me. We have to die daily. We have to be willing to get on that cross with Jesus daily. Jesus didn't want to go to that cross. He was, he was praying in the garden, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, take it. But not my will, your will be done. And he stepped into it for us. And that's what he wants us to do for others. But sometimes we get too focused on where we're going and we just want him to come along instead of saying, God, where are you wanting me to go? And I'm, I'm, I'm there. As hard as it might be, I'm there. Look at Matthew 9, 35 to 38. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. This is Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, Jesus wants more and more workers to walk with him into the tough things. And I believe as this church continues to grow in its desire and its camaraderie in walking with God, he's going to lead you into more and more things that are going to acquire more and more faith and might be a little bit more and more uncomfortable. And he's going to work through you. But, but, but this is what it is to walk with God. And, and that leads me to my final point. To walk with God, an essential is we need a team mentality. We've got to have a team mentality. You know, one of the, I think, negative things about our culture is it's very individualistic. We want to do it on our own, by ourselves. We don't need others. We don't need a team. Well, if you're going to walk with God... You need to understand that a team mentality is absolutely required. And on a practical level, if you're going to do the Pacific Coast Trail or any other challenging endeavor like that, you need a team. You've got to know who your team is. And you've got to lean into that team. You know, one of the cool things, the stories you hear on the Pacific Coast Trail is how people help each other and work together to make it through. I have a friend who, who just did it uh, a about six months ago, they finished. And um, she, it was a girl, a young girl in her 20s. And uh, listening to her talk about the Pacific Coast Trail and all the people that she had to lean on, that she didn't even know before, that she had to learn to trust, that she had to learn to ask for, that she had to learn to... She said she never, ever could have done it without that group of people. And I think that is really the heart that, that Jesus has for the church is that we would have a team mentality, that we would work together. Look at what Psalm 133 says. It says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And Hebrews 10, or I'm sorry, yeah, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the church is meant to be a place where we spur one another on to love and good deeds, where we learn to come together more effectively in order to love and impact others around us more effectively. And so this team mentality is so critical. And it's one of the things that I so appreciate about Eric. You know, as, as Trellis has emerged, it's, it's very clear that God's put on Eric's heart this desire to pull our pastors together in the city. And, and he, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but have you shared this with them? No? Is it okay if I share this? Yeah. So, so God's, God's, you know, you've got to have the pastor's permission sometimes, right? So um, er, Eric has shared with me how God's put it on his heart to, to just get these pastors together to have relationship with one another. So about every six weeks... Eric has been so gracious to kind of partner with what we're doing with Trellis and get pastors, the lead pastors together every six weeks just for lunch and prayer and and learning together, just coming together and caring for one another. And it's been so amazing to see the fruit from that in the context of our...